Welcome to Shame Watch, a guilt-free dive in those massive movie failures that we hate to love. Each week, we look at a movie that either we, our guests, love, but society shames them for. We peek in each nook and cranny for every bright spot, keeping the public at bay while watching these movies like the miracles that they are. Today, we're ordering some Taco Bell and doing a whole bunch of violence as we watch Demolition Demolition Man! I'm James Fight, uh, your host who loves Taco Bell. Uh, the person who yelled the loudest. Kenny is... Madison, chief archivist of flatfilms.com. Demolition Man! Uh, the, the one that keeps us all together uh, by editing all of this craziness is. Aaron, body and soul, Salinas. Uh, uh, editor, all around good guy, all around nice guy. And uh, the the social media wizard and lioness and lioness Olivia yes Olivia Slap and Swatis slash lioness uh, I like to get frisky but not with the help of virtual headset <laughs> fair fair uh, okay uh, boy oh boy this movie is okay first off. I enjoyed most of it. Uh, there was times. Listen, it's a fun satire, but it doesn't mean it's not problematic. Doesn't mean it's not problematic because it's problematic. It's very oh problematic. boy, is it problematic? <laughs> but yes, like, with a oh yeah, but like, things exploded, and that was fun, and that's why. Like, this is like the epitome boomer movie, right? <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. This is... Uh, I was talking with my roommate while watching this movie, and I, I basically went... like, This movie is the that meme, this is the future the liberals want in, yes. in feature film length. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird ego stroke for the boomers who wrote it. Like it's yeah. like it's just gross and I'm not and I know we're jumping ahead but the ending kiss made my stomach churn. I don't know why. Just the way he like yeah. tosses her back in three different directions and then dips her in kisses. I'm like that what is that? Uh. This is like a, a no. super male fantasy movie. Sorry, Olivia. What? Oh no no no! Sorry, it, it it was it's like the the iconic photo of uh, the sailor in Times Square. Nurse. The... Yes, and 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 like it's interesting because when when you look at it first, you're like, oh wow, like that's that's a what a great photo. But really, if you understand the context, like she was pretty much like kissed against her will. Like he just yeah, it was a random woman, right? That he. You know, it's a random woman, yeah. Oh, um, oh boy. So you can see the way in which her arm is like going back, like oh, like out of shock. And, and and I'll be honest with you, like that scene that Aaron was pointing out, that kiss, like I would only be okay with that, like if we were dating and you know we had been together for a long time, and you know you could kind of sense my needs or whatnot. But if 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 you're just trying to like handle Ooh. me, like just. Like, manhandle uh don't do that don't do it don't do it so we've given some thoughts so far kenny can you give us some context absolutely uh one of the things if you're starting with the demolition man episode which is coming towards the tail end of snipe uli aaron please play the snipe uli sound effect that we have established we're looking at some of our favorite films of Wesley Snipes' career. Uh, and one of the things that we do for every episode of Shane Watch is add a little bit of context about why someone might feel a little bit of guilt about the films that we love so much. In a review titled Altered States and Demo Man by David Anson of Newsweek, published uh, October 17th, 1993 at 8pm Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> Edited for time, of course. I think that should go without saying, so please mark that. Demolition Man is a movie that should have been fun and isn't. 
John Spartan, Sylvester Stallone, a maniac cop from the anarchic battle days of 1996, is released from his cryogenic prison sentence in the year 2032 to pursue the similarly defrosted maniac criminal, Simon Phoenix, Wesley Snipes, his archenemy. The cops in the future can't handle the job because San Angeles in the 21st century is a peaceful, crimeless, utterly sterile place, a fascist Eden of unending banality where cocktail pianists sing old commercial jingles, fines are given for profanity, where sex and cholesterol are illegal, and all restaurants are called Taco Bell. Leave it to Sly to teach these geeks the virtues of vulgarity, rebellion, and brute force. It sounds a lot better than it plays. Marco Brambilla, a novice director, can't begin to mesh the skitsy mixture of headbanging violence, future shock satire, and Hollywood in-jokes. The actors have no characters to play and scramble haplessly for a consistent style. The exuberantly badass Snipes at least seems to be enjoying himself. Sly gets to main kill, take his clothes off, and in one of the movie's actually funny moments, knit. He makes a lovely red sweater. The end. First of all, John Spartan is the most toxic masculine name you could write yeah. in. But isn't that kind of the point? I mean, so much. Uh, to to add a bit of context on top of the context. Uh, That's double context for you viewers. You're only. getting two contexts for the price of... Well, you're not paying for this. Uh, so it's like you're, you're getting two contexts. Just deal with it. All right. Uh, just deal, just with, deal it. with it. But one of the right... I'm John Spartan! <laughs> uh, one of the writers of this movie, one of the credited writers, uh, because apparently there were a lot of writers on this movie, uh, but one of the writers that I think unlocks what the tone should be contextually is Daniel Waters. Uh, Daniel Waters, for those that might know, is one of the screenwriters of Heathers, uh, Hudson Hawk, Batman Returns, and those are movies where the tongue is firmly placed in cheek, and they're very satirical movies. And this movie is, for me, is lambasting everyone. Like I, I think yes, this is not only a critique of this is the future the liberals want, but also making fun of the Sylvester Stallone personas. It's just unfortunate because the Sylvester Stallone persona is kind of established as the voice of reason within this supposedly absurd society. And the society is absurd, but at the same time, it's such uh, backwards values. But also, I, th I, I believe that's intentional. I mean, John Spartan is the demolition man. He literally blows up everything that he comes into contact with. Well, this is like nothing embodies the the pro cop narrative more than this. Movie. Most definitely, right? Because which boy howdy, not what we need right now in this era, um, no. and probably is what uh, perpetuated it for so long was we had movies like *Lethal Weapon*, *Die Hard*, and all those. Like, pro-cops, cops defeat the bad guys, and woman jail, and cops are good. Uh, we know that's not the case uh, in real life anymore, or at least most people do. But, like, it, it, it's so absurd how far they go. We're like, yeah, a cop has to have guns and protect people and shoot people, even though, like, they make fun of the, the society where in the future cops are like there's a line that says we're cops we're not trained for violence like yeah i heard yeah. that yeah. it's supposed to be a joke but like that it, it, it's set up in a joke but it's so extreme we're like yes obviously if they're like that cops won't function no one will function because you still need some sort of protector to uh, 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 to defend your uh, community against actual evil. Uh, but it doesn't need to be this extreme. I have a lot of uh, in, I have very weird opinions about this film. So cut me off at any time you want me to stop talking because I will ramble this episode. Uh, but I don't know. It's because like they propose the idea as if it's a joke. But in real, in reality, like there's nothing wrong with the idea of 
people living in a non-violent world. Yes. And this idea of like the credit, the the gain a credit for every time you cuss, that was fun. Oh my gosh, I would be fined like every single. Minute. Oh, same. I'd be broke. Which is funny. Yeah, which is funny because people who, like, I guess have known me when I was younger would never put that together or, like, just wouldn't even think of it. But those in my circle know I'm a notorious potty mouth. <laughs> and so I would be just, like, how a Sly was where I just keep saying, like, shit, fucking yeah, damn it. Yeah. Like, and then, like, the receipts come in and yeah, I use and that then as you can wipe. The three seashells. Yeah, whenever like they're walking up to apprehend snipes after he's been released and they're like relying on that little like handheld Mm -hmm. i was like Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure that's what folks are imagining it's gonna be like when we say dismantle or you know quit funding the police they're like what are you gonna do just walk up with your index cards on how to approach like no right that's right that that's not what it means and that's not what it's saying and it it's just it's what i am very impressed with in this movie is the fact that they were able to get these massive egos into the same movie at the same time <laughs> yeah yeah and what well, i'm going to jump ahead a little bit but because they're showing these two extremes right the super uh liberal uh a nightmare we'll call it where it's like we don't know how to do anything we just talk about our feelings uh. and then you have uh uh john spartan let's go oh we're gonna blow everything up and kill the bad guys but at the end he makes i think a very good point and like kind i think that's what this is what the movie is trying to say is at the very end he goes yeah just meet somewhere in the middle and you'll figure it out which I think the movie gets a little distracted at times, but I think that's the core message of this film is that we need both in order to survive as a community. Yeah. I mean, it's just, we're too extremists right now. I definitely don't think that this movie had, uh, knew exactly what it was saying outside of the fact that, uh, power wins. I don't think it had any ambitions to have a nuanced conversation. I, I know that, uh, because I found this oh. article from, from uh, I, I think this was from the production of Demolition Man from the Los Angeles Times, uh, published uh, August of 1993. So maybe not from the production, but it was written during the production. Uh, and Joel Silver, the producer of this movie, was just like, just, just, I just want to make an entertaining movie. That's that's all. That's all I want to do. Which to me just is just definitely code for just stop trying to make me political uh i i don't want to have to represent all races uh i just want to make a white male fantasy uh so i know that he it's it's a fascinating read um and this this speaking of egos getting wrangled in this movie uh the movie initially had a 72 day production and ended up shooting for i think 112 days (laughs) Whoa! I believe the budget was originally forty million dollars, and I think went up to seventy. Um, not enough boom boom. <laughs> well, sp- I mean, let me tell you, there wasn't a speak- lot of boom no. boom well, going on. Uh, speaking of not enough boom boom, um, I well, before I get to the boom boom, uh, yeah. this movie. Had a lot of crew turnover, according to one crew member. Uh, they had five different assistant directors uh, hiring five brand new assistant directors. Just a lot of turnover. And towards the end of the shoot, there were probably only a dozen original crew members left. Whoa. Which is insane. And then speaking of Boom Boom, this movie ascribes to producer Joel Silver's Whammo chart, which proposes... That every 10 minutes, there should be an action beat, which just translates into a huge explosion. Says Joel Silver, it gives the movies some zip. That's on brand. Okay. In terms of wrangling egos, Sylvester Stallone, quite frankly, needed a win. 
at this point, uh, just to give you an example of his last couple of movies, Rocky Five, Oscar, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, and the very successful Cliffhanger, but that out of those, like that's his last three or four years. Uh, three out of those four movies, not particularly great critically. But Wesley Snipes, which is what we're here for, folks, was yeah, doing... Yeah, it is Snipe-uli. 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 Wesley Snipes was a rising star. Um, in the past two years, he had been in both White Man Can't Jump, that was in 92, and Passenger 57, a movie that was outrageously, outrageously successful. Uh, I also found out in this that Wesley Snipes is a fifth-degree black belt in capoeira, a Brazilian martial oh. art. He's a real-life black belt. Uh, and uh, Joel Silver was also kind of coming into this, needing some hits because his last couple movies had not been success. One of those movies we'd cover with Devin Coleman, Hudson Hawk. Mm-hmm. And so they came together to make this movie just to kind of capitalize on these stars and make something that was a little bit more of a throwback. And this feels very much in the vein of RoboCop uh, mm-hmm. or, or things that were similar of that nature. Uh, yeah, and it was quite successful. Um, and I have a surprise. Uh-oh. Now, you guys know that we're here to celebrate the best of the best. And so I am awarding the very first in this show's history, I'm awarding the very first Shamey for excellence in acting. And I award it to Wesley Snipes as Simon Phoenix. Rightfully deserved. And I just yes. sent a picture of Wesley Snipes from Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, holding the shamey. Because uh, I think Wesley Snipes' performance as Simon Phoenix in Demolition Man is far and away my favorite performance of anything that we have watched for this podcast. Hands oh, yeah. down. All of the charisma that was not present in Blade because he was forced to be a non-talking hulk of a man that is not used for fighting. Wesley Snipes is everything in this movie. He is so charming, charismatic, evil, delicious, every single positive adjective that you could put on this. It Mm -hmm. It is an incredible performance. It's almost like they I told agree. him to be the Joker, but Wesley fi <laughs> it. I agree. Like, I think this is the campy character that we got for Wesley Snipes. Because I know we've discussed that Blade in the comics was supposed to be a little bit campier in yeah. terms of dress. And so, um, I first thing I told the guys when I started watching this movie was like, okay, like Simon Phoenix's pants. Can we talk about that? I love them. They are (laughs) so they are these magnificent like I think they were high waisted slightly. I'm not sure. Um, But they were these black and white pinstripe pants. And then he's got like this bleached blonde hair going on. And I'm like, we stand somebody who knows their fashion. And then later, he's sporting some salmon pink Outstanding. overalls. <laughs> it's like quintessentially 90s, but I am totally here for it. And then you hear him like just start going into maniacal laughter. And it's, yeah, like Aaron said, very, very Joker-esque. Yeah, like like the maniacal laugh, his, his approach to things, like he likes things that go boom. He, you know, his, his walk and his strut. Um, just and and he he you he felt and he knew he was near death a lot of times, but he also approached it like a game. Like it was it was well done. It was beautifully played. I I I think well deserved of that, Shamey. I think I I'm proud to be able to give out the first Shamey for this. Uh, Shamey is. Not something that we do very often. In fact, it's something we've never done. But it's on the table now. What episode is this? Uh, what number? There's just no way to know at all. 
I know. The inaugural award yeah. that was to, to West. It's just because after X amount of episodes, we finally give it. Um, we do need to update the calendar uh, because episode 87, Media Law. Oh, that's the next episode. Watch out for that. This will be episode 86. Oh, oh, next episode next week. Tune in for Media Law with Shame Watch. Great. Oh, gosh, I'm getting flashbacks. Wonderful. It's canon, so therefore we have to do it. And uh, it's happening next week, so mark your calendars, because we are going in-depth with Media Law. Okay. Uh, okay, back to back to Demolition Man. Uh, it, uh, this movie. I love it. Wait, you love it, I mean, Kenny? I do. En- I love this movie. I love this movie. I, I do down. enjoy it. What? This yeah. movie was funny. Yeah. I mean, problematic elements aside, uh, I, I got particularly excited when Benjamin Bratt showed Shoot. up on screen because Sandra Bullock is Ms. in this Congeniala movie. Miss Congeniality 2036. And so I was like, oh. <laughs> yes, Miss Congeniality Yeah, Sandra Bullock, uh, who replaced Lori Petty. Lori Petty was originally in that role of Lenina Huxley, uh, but then she left or potentially was fired. I forget exactly which one of those. Uh, but Sandra Bullock comes in during production, and I think she kills it because the script is absurd. It's oh, yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And it's she nails so much of this dialogue. She knows exactly what to do. And it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful. And this is right before she pops in Speed. Uh, Speed was 94. This movie comes out in 93. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she did amazing. I mean, I think everyone in this does a good job. Yes. Like, this yeah, is... I, yeah. The... Um, okay, I'll talk. Uh, oh, sorry. God, I hate Zoom. I the, hate doing this over line. I miss being with you people in in person. I miss your faces and human contact. Okay, Aaron, talk. The... Uh, my only thing was it just looks some of the stuff just looked weird but all in all it's a fun it's a fun movie it's like this is a like a, a boomer hype film and they're like and this is why things work and and I'm like okay okay but go on like it and it, it's just kind of fun in that way um there was uh, some parts where uh, Stallone is being frozen and we get his naked body f- shot in this little yeah. like cocoon and it's being yeah. shot up. And a couple yeah. of times, I don't think he was realizing that there was like a camera underneath him because like he's just like fidgeting around a little bit and he's just like slapping his butt against the bottom of the 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 container and i'm like what why of all shots they could have put in this why did they go with this one i mean yeah you're just seeing booty and and stallone gooch just just slapping the bottom container and i'm like okay like knowing knowing stallone it was probably because he thought that he had a nice butt and he wanted to show it off you're not wrong. Stallone, Stallone is the kind of person at this point in time who knows exactly what his image is and also very egotistical, especially right now, uh, and is going, I've got a nice butt. You're allowed to shoot this. And that's probably why. And <laughs> you, you know what's kind of funny about that is it does kind of feel like a couple of things were catered towards Stallone, but supposedly oh, yeah. this is just off IMDb. They asked Wesley to slow down his kicks because outstanding. It, he he was too quick for the the camera. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, so you're having oh, to cater to Stallone. Arts is in that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of his work is in there, and you're having to cater to Stallone as opposed to Wesley, who is literally too good for the cameras, and you're asking him to to bring it down to our level. Well, and, like, film fighting and actual fighting are two very different things. Right. Because, like, in film, fights go on for, like, ten minutes, and it's, oh, so tough, and, oh, they have so much endurance. But a real fight, if it goes on for longer than a minute, both people are going to be exhausted. 
because yeah. it is exhausting fighting. Like you use everything, and it's not. What's that? Verbal fighting. Is <laughs> verbal fighting is also exhausting. It's true. And it's just like also like when you do actual like fisticuffs, it's not as clean as film fighting, and you can't you can't see it, and it's just really two people wrestling half the time. Yes, because I grew up on the hard streets of Bowling Green, Ohio. <laughs> where I fought tooth and nail just to get a scrap. Room. James is saying James is saying this while he's sporting um, his new bandana. Oh, I'm rocking this bandana. Hey, why have I we brought up Rob Schneider? Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. A young Rob Schneider. A very young Rob Schneider. Yeah. I, it was unrecognizable to me at first. I'm like, oh. I believe the first of two films that he does with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, really? What's the other one? Because well, he's in uh, Stallone's Judge Dredd as well. Oh, yeah, you're right. You are very right on that. I was kind of surprised to see him here. But also, it, it, specifically, Rob Schneider would strike me as the kind of person who Stallone would be like, are you okay? You come hang out with me, make jokes on uh, my next movie. <laughs> yeah, he, that's probably how that conversation went. It does seem like a Stallone bone that he he threw. Like, Stallone hey, you're you're kind of funny. You're you're two feet shorter than me, and you're less strong than you're not as strong as me. So I can have you on the movie. I don't mind you. Yeah, you're not a threat to my yeah to my ego. <laughs> come come play with me. But uh, go I have ahead. A question. Oh. Okay, have any of y'all done cryotherapy? Like the where you go in and it's like a frozen. Not at all. No, that's way too cold. Okay. I don't want to do that. I loved it. So I haven't, I haven't done that, but I did. I won this like free giveaway that my best friend like tagged me in on Instagram, and uh, I didn't do that, but I did this thing where you kind of go into a pod, like your body is in like this egg, mm. and it's. I don't want to say it's a tanning bed because it's not, but it essentially like you're it it's like kind of warm in there, and then you're supposed to kind of sweat off like all the toxins. I, I've not. seen this, done. but yeah, yeah. So and but they had that machine, the one where you go in and you're supposed to kind of go into like or it's not hypothermia, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know what the correct term is. So I was just like, oh my gosh. Uh, that that looks really interesting, but I don't know if I would do that. But that was the first thing that I thought of when I saw the uh, cryo therapy or prison. The cryo or prison. I was yeah. like, oh, that time I was in that egg. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought that was such a, a cool idea, where it's like prison sentences. You just dipped in this uh, frozen block of ice for X amount of years, and then you'll get re- rehabilitated when you come out. Yeah. All the way. Oh, yeah, I thought I've I've never seen that. That's a cool idea. In the distant future of 1996. Uh, yeah. Outstanding. I, I, I did think it would have been a better line when Stallone's, like, you know, just being reanimated. And uh, his old buddy, uh, he asks his old buddy, he's like, hey, what happened to you? He's like, I got older. It was a missed opportunity that Stallone didn't say, well, I got colder. Yep. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Like when I Absolutely. heard that, I was like, "It, it's a how'd you miss it? It was literally an underhand toss right to you, like ah, oh, so good." But it, there was a lot of things where I was like, "Ah, that's kind of charming." Like when when Schneider was like, "Press zero for an automated message," I was like, "Yeah, we're not too yeah. far off from that." Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is this is a super. This is a genuinely funny movie. Like this is, I feel like this movie knows exactly what it is, uh, mm-hmm. and also I can, I I feel like it's okay to laugh at all of this boomer stuff, because this is definitely an ego trip for Sylvester Stallone, trying to prove how masculine he is. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. And Taco Bell won the franchise. Oh, uh, that was my honestly. That made me so happy. I love Taco Bell. Everyone knows this about me. I love Taco Bell. It's great. So that little shout out and that prog placement made me so happy. I love Taco Bell. I I so here's, I can have like a little bit, but then if I have too much of it, I'm gonna be needing more than. <laughs> <shots>. <laughs> That's fair. 
that's fair. Uh, it does destroy your bowels. I, I, I didn't get the... <laughs> I kept trying to run in my head. I was like, why is there three? I I don't... Like... Kenny? I've got the answers. Do you really? I do. Yes, because I am chief archivist of flatfilms.com. Uh, that's true. I do my research. <clears throat> the three seashells. Here's the answers. According to screenwriter Daniel Waters, who you might remember I mentioned earlier. Remember? Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm-hmm. I do. Do you I remember? Because there is going to be a test. According to screenwriter Daniel Waters, the inspiration for the three shells came about when he was writing a scene where Spartan has to use a restroom. He was trying to come up with futuristic things you'd find in there. He was having trouble, so he called a buddy, another screenwriter across town, asked him if he had any ideas. Ironically enough, that person was in the bathroom when he answered the phone, looked around his bathroom, and said, I have a bag of seashells on the toilet as a decoration. Waters said, Okay, I'll make something out of that. (laughs) Next. Sylvester Stallone has stated in interviews that the idea, here we go, that the idea, Aaron, get ready. I'm ready. That the idea, Olivia, listen to this, uh, that the idea behind the three seashells was that two were used like chopsticks or to clamp together to pull waste out of the body, and the third was used to scrape what was left over. No explanation was made about how they were to be cleaned or sanitized between uses. That's a valid question, especially now in the age of What? What? (laughs) So you you squat and and use them like... But that... Oh boy, okay, so like, we're gonna dive down this this gross trail for a little bit, because I just... Ha- so, uh, because, you know, when you go, you know, when you poop, not all the time it's super solid. So, are they just assuming that their poops are always, like, solid? Everything that's bad for you is illegal. So, trans fat, that's like, true. heavy oils, all of that is that's out. That's a good point. How did Taco Bell exist, then? I th- well, it's just the yeah. brand. It's just the brand. True. So, <clears throat> Taco Bell was not product placement. It was apparently in the script because Taco Bell is supposedly the worst. So the reason that Taco Bell was in the script Lies. to begin with is just because the screenwriters were like, I need a bad restaurant. What's the worst restaurant that would be the only <laughs> restaurant left? Taco Bell. Uh, I wish I could have been in the writer's room for this. I did like their logo. Their futuristic logo of Taco Bell kind of, sort of looks like the one now. Yeah. Like, the colors were pretty spot on. Yeah. Very, like, upscale bougie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm excited to live to 2036 if we get there, just to see if Taco Bell doesn't play on it that year. Sure. We'll see. We have 16 years. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I do want to talk about dive a little deeper because, like, they make it a point to make everyone in the future essentially useless. Like, yeah, reproduction, like, you have to have a permit for that. Yeah, which, you know what? Not opposed because maybe some people shouldn't have babies. Uh, hot take, hot take, <sighs> but, uh, <sighs> Uh, you, you should want to be a parent. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's like we talked about before where like this is like what the ultimate liberal nightmare will be is this. And it's just I want to dive deeper in that. So what are y'all's opinions on this this uh, community that we see in the future of 2036? I, I, I mean, this is the extension of conservative thinking, but if you think about all of these things with the context of... Like, uh, there should be more intense regulations on restaurants and uh, society uh, in general because there's just been so much exploitation of uh, normal Americans, average Americans, just in general. Uh, but also... like. 
Jeez, it's 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 really hard to take any of this stuff so seriously in this movie because it's so outrageously absurd. Uh, For sure. Yeah, but also like even in this uh, supposedly utopian thing, there's still an underclass that are pe- that are being exploited. Uh, and I think like the the, 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 the rough nature of this movie is exposed whenever Dennis Leary, who is the leader of the resistance in this movie, is that uh, he says, I, I believe the line is, people have a right to be assholes. Right. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. And like that's that's the discourse that we're at in this point of uh, American history right now where we are seeing such a vehement opposition of people going, I deserve the right to not wear a mask. And I think people are like, technically, yes, but also like wear your mask, like be responsible. That's why there's rules in place for this stuff in the first place. It would be nice if you didn't have to wear a mask, but just like be be responsible, which I think demolition band half-heartedly is like, look, let's be responsible over here at the end of the movie. Uh, because this movie is fighting for this libertarian ideal of no there shouldn't be any regulations and we should be allowed to do what we want uh and we should have no punishments and we deserve the right to eat a tasty hamburger because that's what freedom is freedom is being able to eat a hamburger and that's just not the case at all like that's not (laughs) that's that's not what we're advocating for uh, at all we're, we're no. advocating for equity and all of those things. Uh, but I do think that Taco Bell should be the only restaurant, period. Like, I think we can all I agree, do agree with, with that. that. Yeah. I would say Whataburger. Yeah, a Texan would say that. Uh, uh, no, a correct person would say that. Thank you. You got Aaron. tacos. Are all brainwashed. You got chicken Good. strips. You got burgers. You got salads. You got apple pies. You got the... (laughs) Good. So we are all in agreement. Taco Bell should be the only restaurant that exists. Correct. no argument. You got Dr. Pepper shakes at Taco Bell? Didn't think so. Yeah, but you have... Uh. You have mountain... Do you get constant, like, diarrhea from Whataburger? Didn't think so. I like the colonic effects of Taco Bell. It keeps me regular. (laughs) So does coffee. I mean, coffee. I don't keeps like me coffee. I don't need Coffee's Taco disgusting. Bell to like tear my insides. Taco out. Bell <laughs> has Mountain Dew Baja Blast. It's so tasty. Uh, yeah, correct. I'm I'm 100 percent Kenny's camp. <laughs> Thank you. I don't drink soda, but when I do, it's a Taco Bell Baja Blast. Baja Blast, man. Oh, please make that meme. <laughs> Uh, with Simon oh, Phoenix, you know, you know why I'm I'm picturing. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, but back to Snipes. Back to Snipes. He's great. He's how great. cool. How cool was that pen? That eyeball on the pen thing. Oh, that was the great. Coolest. That was great. I loved it. Uh, him breaking guns out of the museum because all guns are in the museum. The Hall uh, of Violence. How much do you weigh? <laughs> Uh, that was my favorite. Uh, this is like, how much do you weigh? Oh, I weigh probably. And then Simon Phoenix realizing, oh, right, it's the future. I need to stop going for regular guns, surely laser guns or something. And then he finds it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the best. I love this movie so much. It it it's it's a fun movie. I, I think the director accomplished the goal in making an entertaining film. Yes. <laughs> Although, let me talk again about those headsets. <laughs> yeah, let's... For uh, you know, do those... I, I feel like something like that probably now exists with, like, VR, right? Uh, kind of? I don't... Where people are I don't, thinking about I don't it. have VR, so I can't say. I don't know. But, anyway, just... It was, uh... Yeah, I don't. I it, not my cup of tea, but it wouldn't surprise me if something like that was in development. Um, just and I and I feel like especially now since we really can't touch each other. 
<laughs> you know? Oh, it's, it's, it's yeah. definitely something. Oh, uh, fun fact. So I, uh, I was looking up Sandra Bullock's character's name is like yes. Nina Huxley. The connection I made was Aldous Huxley yes. from Brave New World. And surely that is actually one of the inspirations for this. That song. tracks. That's that pretty cool. So much. Uh, but you know, this is the funny Sylvester Stallone version of Brave New World, <laughs> uh, where anyone that is killed is uh, has had a murder death kill happen to them. Like the the fact that those actors had to say, "Oh no, it's been a murder death kill," and say that with a completely straight face. <sighs> I was all for it. It's so good. I also really liked how they uh, did. We already talked about the handshake. <laughs> that seems like a realistic well, the- handshake in the coming years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Can't touch each other. I'm for it. I'm absolutely I'm for, it. for it. I'm for it. No, I like touching people. It was my job for five years. Uh, Aaron, I was, I was a massage therapist. Isolate that sentence and put that at the front. That James uh, likes to touch James people. James just says, "I like touching people." <laughs> the, Listen, it's true. I'll admit the thing that was the grossest thing of all things, aside from Stallone's forced kiss, uh, was the protect and serve line. I didn't like it. I don't even remember the. Yeah, what was that line? They say it just a couple of times, just like "Don't forget to protect and serve," and I'm like. Nah, I don't like that. I, that's gross. That, well, that that's part of that like pro for- cop narrative that we've been fed. Yeah, and and, so I, and I I get it. It's just like oh, just so gross to hear it said like that. Because I I like I know that was like the long the slogan for the longest term is time is that you know they're they're here to protect and serve, and then like to hear it like like as a verb like it was just weird. Like don't forget to protect and to serve. Like that was I don't like that. It was weird on the ear. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the that's the thing they always justify the violence with, right? I'm talking about real life now. Yes. Um, is because they're protecting and serving the people when really they're clearly not. Um, and I mean, I think because we had so many films and TV shows. I mean, God, look at all the TV shows, cop TV shows we have, like still running now, where the good guys are the cops. And they're just doing the right thing, even though that is not clearly not the case whatsoever. I'm curious to see how Brooklyn Nine Nine is going to come back for this next. I season. that's something I've also been curious about because they're yeah. they're smart enough and like aware enough that they'll address this. I th- I think uh, allow me to get super nerdy about this, and I I I talk about this probably like three or four times a year, uh, probably to a lot of people's annoyance. But I think this comes to a problem with at least American storytelling and the fact that a successful narrative uh, is predicated on the notion that you are uh, fighting, that you are overcoming some sort of weakness, you are achieving some sort of goal. It's always some sort of strength narrative. So it's not just the fact that we have so much copaganda and like, you know, let's look at even Marvel movies where it's a battle between good and evil with superhero movies, with movies like Demolition Man. It's still this you're, you're fighting this notion of good against evil and whoever our protagonist is, uh, it's it's good and evil must be punished. Um, we have to prove our own self-worth and we have to prove our sense of power. We have to prove that we are powerful and we regain some sort of power by the ending or we achieve some sort of catharsis. Either way, we are achieving something. We have gained something. We had defeated some sort of weakness. Um, and I think like, if we're going to reevaluate, if, if we're going to reevaluate cop movies, we're going to reevaluate television, we're, we, we need to reevaluate just American storytelling in general. And the fact that, that this notion of American exceptionalism or individual exceptionalism, we have to reevaluate what exactly that means. And because it's not just a story of us like we we live our own narratives we live successful days where we're not even growing 
we have good days where we're not just we have good stories we have personal stories where we're not just like hey i learned this thing about myself or i achieved this thing about myself we have days where nothing changes we have days where we're just like i just looked at a sunset and that was great yeah but that's not i mean to be blunt to us dumb americans that's not entertaining very much so. i don't want i don't want to see a story about someone being reflective and being in touch with their feelings and then growing from that yeah uh, and that's why I'm such a fan of movies like Magic Mike XXL, mm-hmm. where yeah. it's it, it's not even that a Magic Mike, the titular Mike, he is magic, and he is indeed <laughs> XXL. Uh, <laughs> but he just goes around doing doing exciting things for people, and it's not even a from a point of view of going, how can I entertain the most people? He's just like, I just like doing this. It's just a thing. How do I, how do I spread happiness? And he doesn't achieve any sort of goal at the end, except for any personal satisfaction. But that even to me, like those ending sequence, that ending sequence of magic, Mike XXL, where they're looking at fireworks, it's not some sort of personal achievement. It's just like all is right with the world because we mailed stripped our way, uh, and made everyone's day just a little bit happier and trying to achieve some sort of peace with the world. There's other forms of storytelling that we just don't embark with. We, we just don't deal with because, like you said, and I, I agree with this too, if, if there are movies where we are not achieving some sort of goal or if there is not some sort of visible change, it's, it's dull because we have these expectations built into these narratives. Well, and... and uh, sorry, am I jumping in? Did you finish your point? I mean, I've been talking about story theory uh, for a while okay. now. Well, I was just going to jump in with, uh, if you look at American society, uh, like we're so task oriented. Yes. You have, you have to be doing something to be uh, quote unquote relevant. You have to be doing something to get ahead. You have, the point is if you're not doing something, you're behind. Whereas like any practice of yoga or meditation or anything like that will tell you that silence is okay. Yeah. In fact, you need stillness and silence in order to grow. Because uh, doing things is just a distraction. So all that to say is American society is distracted. Sorry, Olivia, go ahead. No, no, no. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, I, I'm, I am one to admit that I have fallen into this ideology that your worth is ultimately attached to productivity. And I know I've talked about this with y'all before. Um, but for the listeners, like last year, I was just very like, go, go, go. I was working two jobs and I was trying to like, just also do that and, and, and my music on top of that. And I, I got hurt in a crash and I was forced to slow down and, oh, oh, that was, you know, what fell there. Uh, <laughs> you got hurt in a crash. Thud <laughs> fumble. Uh, basically. I was, I was, I was hurt and I was forced to having to slow down and put everything on pause. And a lot of that just, I didn't like that. I didn't like sitting still. I didn't like, um, having to just like focus on getting better when I saw everybody else, all my friends like work. And then I started comparing myself and thinking like, I'm not putting anything out there, I'm not contributing to society. And it's really, you know, with thankfully with the help of like therapy and stuff, James makes a really good point that, that, yeah, like, and, and Kenny, you brought this up too, like moments of reflection are, are very needed. You kind of have to have that balance um, because if not, you burn yourself out too quick and what you contribute to society is probably not as I don't know. Just it's probably not as good as you could probably make it out to be if you take the time out to uh, just reflect and, and to and to grow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my take. well. And we've like we're stuck in this hustle hustle culture, right? Like, because yeah. uh, I mean, let's be real. It's because of capitalism. Because uh, if you're not making money, if you're not doing the thing, you're not enough. And uh, I mean, everyone battles this idea that they're not enough because it's so ingrained in our bones that uh, we have to hustle, for yeah. lack of a better word. And that's dumb, 
Uh, I hate big corporations. Uh, that's all I've got right now. Yeah. Uh, toxic capitalism as a form of control to help us and inst- to help instill in us some form of anxiety whenever we're not doing quote unquote enough. And mm-hmm. e- even that, cause it's good to want to change and achieve things like that's, that's definitely not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that there are other ways of not even accomplishment. There are other ways of experiencing life. Uh, like everyone quotes Roger Ebert saying movies are empathy machines. You go into a movie and you experience things and the way that the studio system has engineered quite well, because I like movies is a lot of that individual success and that we can achieve anything as long as we work hard, as opposed to something like my neighbor Totoro. Which is just a hangout movie, basically, where you're hanging around with the Totoro. And conflict is very, 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 very small, uh, if if anything. And even the main conflict of that movie turns out it's just like the smallest misunderstanding. Um, Joe Para talks with you, which is if you haven't watched Joe Para talks with you, good lord. Uh, film critic David Ehrlich coined this thing called Nice Core which is just movies where people are nice. Uh, examples that he uses are Paddington 2, Magic Mike XXL. And another thing that I think falls under that category is Joe Para Talks With You, which is about this nice Midwestern dude who likes breakfast and bean sprouts and stories and taking fall drives. And that's just the show. And it's on Adult Swim. And it's one of the weirdest things that I've ever seen because it's so earnest. It's just like, I, I like fall drives. I like to go on a fall drive. That's it. Like, it's a 15-minute episode about a dude taking his jack-o'-lantern on a fall drive. Wow. It's nice. it's insane. And it's it's a full story from beginning to end, where the character doesn't learn anything or achieve anything. He just takes his jack-o'-lantern on a fall drive. And I'm still kind of... Which is the complete 180 from Demolition yeah. Man, where it's just... Like, Basically. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. boom, boom. boom. Uh, also, if you haven't watched Demolition Man, stop everything and go watch Demolition Man because it is one of the most fun movies that I think we've ever covered for this podcast. Still problematic, but fun. Very much so. But also, like that's the th- the thing about problematic behavior is it's it's really easy for us to condemn it. I certainly do it all the time. But if we're going to grow, we have to be able to contextualize all of this thing and not necessarily even label it good or bad. Just know that this is a problem. And hopefully, hopefully, you have the intelligence to be able to contextualize that darn thing, be able to take it seriously, take it not seriously, realize how much power that it has, and be able to change your behavior for the better. And I'll add on top of that to understand uh, the other side's point of view. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what's going on right now is no one's listening to each other. And... I mean, James is right. right now, no one is listening to each other. And I think that I most of all am just, I know the most about that. Right, James? That's correct. Uh, and I mean, this is it's just one thing many, to many, not many be able to listen to each other. And I just think that it's really important that we just stop talking and be able to listen to one another. Aaron, take it away. Kenny, you were saying? Oh, I was done. <laughs> that long pause was me. Because uh, it's important to just be able to <laughs> listen to one in, another. In comedy theory, that's uh, hit, hit, pause, hit. And we just did a perfect comedy scene. Uh, so the Rotten Tomatoes game is based off the website. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, a film review aggregator that takes all submitted film reviews, averages them out by a pass-fail system, then assigns a percentage on how many people might think a movie is either fresh or rotten. This is not a score that a film is X percent good. It is only a score of how many people liked it. I'll be asking our esteemed panelists of the Shame Watch podcast for two numbers, both the critical approval rating of Demolition Man as well as the audience score. Uh, and I will need your guesses to come in the form of closest without going under. 
Why is that, Kenny? Why don't we want to go under? Uh, because we want to promote positivity, and hopefully we don't want to undersell something by saying 2%. Right? Yes. Cool. Uh, Ms. Suarez. Just in case the listeners don't know. Sure. Ms. Suarez, uh, what do you think the, out of 42 critical reviews, what do you think the critical approval rating is for Demolition Man? I think my gut is telling me 49%. Yes. Why 49%? I think that there's maybe some people, maybe some critics just uh, found the movie to be a little overblown, um, cheesy, and maybe some people didn't catch on to the satire um, that we have obviously pointed out in this film. Uh, Mr. Fight, what do you think the critical approval rating is for Demolition Man? I'm going to go a bit higher and say 74%. 74%? That seems much higher, James. It is. And I think because I'm trying to think of the era, and this was a win for Mr. Stallone. It was indeed. And and I think, I think this was... Uh, a good satire at the time of release. Yeah. That's my, this is my theory. Sure. And most importantly, this was a win for Wesley Snipes because he was nominated for an MTV movie award for best villain. So. I mean, Wesley Snipes steals the show. Every time he's on screen, he, he takes it. Nominated for an MTV movie award and a winner of one shamey so far. Uh, Mr. Salinas, what do you think the score is for? Demolition Man. I'm going to say 70, just because for 1996, I think it's a it's a 13 year old edited version of Die Hard. <laughs> so yeah. I, I I think yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say 70. Well, that thinking has certainly paid off, Mr. Salinas. You were closest without going under. The correct answer is 60 percent. Oh, wow. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, But it's still anyone's game. Because now we move into what is known as our audience round. Out of 270,463 user ratings, what is the audience approval rating for Demolition Man, Mr. Aaron Salinas? 77. 77%. Why 77%? I think people really liked it. Wesley Snipes is incredibly charming. He's incredibly great. And I think Stallone is always going to be a soft spot for a lot of people. Like, Rocky is, is hands down at least every dad's top five. So I, I, I think, I think Stallone and Snipes together in there, people are like, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's great. Yeah. I'm going to say 77. I mean, that was the poster. It was just Stallone, Snipes facing head-to-head. And it was just the word Stallone, Snipe, Demolition Man. That was it. It's not going to fail. Yeah. It is not going to fail. Uh, Speaking of not going to fail, Mr. Fight, what do you think the approval rating is for Demolition Man? I'm swinging high. 92%. 92%. Wow, talk about swinging high. I think people love this film. Because all the boomers out there just go crazy for it. It's true. Uh, which brings us back to Miss Suarez. What do you think the audience approval rating is for Demolition Man? I think I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. So 83%. 83%. Playing it safe. Uh, but unfortunately, swinging for the fences and playing it safe did not work out. Mr. Salinas... You are still closest without going under, pulling off the rare twofer. The correct answer is 66%. What? Oh, people didn't like this film? Well, 66% is still passing you to be able to get through algebra, even though your teacher would be like, a D's not passing, but you are technically through. D's get degrees. Amen. Uh, And, of course, like we always do with anyone that wins a twofer, uh, you get the esteemed privilege of paying $30 to the charity of your choice. 
When are we going to end this bit? What bit? We do this. This is a rule every single time. Whoever wins a twofer gets to pay. Like they, they are allowed to pay $30 to the charity of their choosing. I'm pretty sure this is already like 30 episodes in, so I the the bits just canon at this what, point. What? What bit? What bit is this? <laughs> what are you talking uh, about? No, nah, you're right. You're right. This, I'll donate. Those are just the rules. Anytime either Olivia or James win a twofer, they donate 30 bucks. These are just the rules. Uh-uh. That's been our episode of Shame Watch. Thank you to Denise Hudson for our rockin' theme song and to James Garcia for our artwork. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Shame Watch on Spotify. Wait, wait, wait. He doesn't know how to use the three podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Shame wait, Watch on Spotify. Wait, 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 wait. Send a podcaster to catch a podcaster. <laughs> Have suggestions, questions, comments? Gonna... Wait, 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 wait. Greetings. What's your podcast? <laughs> uh, have suggestions, questions, comments, or general t- general tomfoolery? You want to contribute to the pod? Send it our way. Visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at ShameWashPod so we can talk with you. Uh, wait, wait. Uh, he is the podcast man. Uh, finally, you can. Yeah, there you go. Uh, finally, you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash shamewatch. It does cost money to put out this superb content like this pod, so even a $1 donation can make a huge difference. Hey, Aaron. What's. Uh, what did the folks get at the $10 level? A monthly picture, uh, a nice picture of one of our host's feet, along with a nice haiku, either written by Aaron or James. You're also going to be receiving all the other perks along with this as well. Uh, Kenny Madison, what do we get at the $7 level? At the $7 level, you get all the lovely things at the 2 and $5 tier, along with special behind-the-scenes stuff that you can't get anywhere else. You uh, get to help contribute and pick our next film commentaries or movie marathons whenever those resume. Olivia, what do we get at the $5 level? At the $5 level? Gosh, I can't ever talk whenever we do this part. (laughs) It's okay. Um, At the $5 level, you get everything in the $2 level, which includes the movie marathon episodes, Shame Watch TV, the commentaries. But at the $5 level, you get all of the biffs and baths that we talk about before the pod, which is extremely hilarious. And yeah. And my headshot, my That's autograph true. headshot. They're coming. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for uh, just, I, I'm planning some thirst traps. You get a personal thirst trap from Olivia Suarez. Yes. Uh, hey, those those are gold. I'm now. not disagreeing. Uh, and at the $2 level, you get to listen to our Shame Watch TV episodes, our movie marathon episodes, and our commentary episodes with the hidden bonus that you get to hear your name on our podcast, starting with Kenny Madison. Of Austin, Texas. Aaron O. Salinas. Of Austin, Texas. Gene Fight. Of Bowling Green, Ohio. Alan Smith. Of Leander, Texas. Bradley McPherson. Of Tulsa, okay. Jennifer Steinberg. Of Austin, Texas. Herc. Of Austin, Texas. Ian Keegan. Of Gillette, Wyoming. Danny Cantu. Of San Marcos, Texas. Miranda Suarez. Of San Marcos, Texas. Irene Suarez. Of San Antonio, Texas. And featuring Nolan Barger. Of Austin, Texas. Are you trying to do the SNL voice? A hundred percent, yes. Now I've, I've got to go figure out how to put uh, uh, this um, these these hooks, this coat rack on my wall. It's James, Saturday night. <laughs> James, you got to close this out, man. No, 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 no. <laughs>
It's the et eternal, <laughs> eternal resting. Uh, until next time, our watch has downloaded. Dive at your own risk. I really do have to figure out how to put this coat rack up, though. <laughs>